This is the Artisan CEO Podcast, Season 2, Episode 10. On this episode, we'll be talking about the biggest mental hurdle I've encountered as a business owner, the scarcity versus abundance mindset. Now, I'm not normally one to talk about something as wooly as mindsets. I am a fact-loving fiend, but there is research to back up why a mindset of abundance leads to higher levels of satisfaction and happiness. I likely would have quit my job years ago out of sheer discouragement if it weren't for this one crucial shift. Welcome to the Artisan CEO, where the art of photography meets the business of profits. This is where strategy and craftsmanship coexist so that you can run a creative business that supports a life you love. I'm your host, Abby Grace, and I promise to give it to you straight. The first quote-unquote professional gig that I ever had was as a tag-along third shooter for a very generous photographer who ended up becoming a long-term mentor of mine. His name is Mike Lesnick. He and his wife are still photographers here in the DC area, and he was incredibly generous with his knowledge and his expertise as I was getting started in the wedding photography industry. So I was in my senior year at Radford, um, and I had just fallen in love with photography that year. Halfway through my junior year, I had taken this darkroom class and I was completely obsessed. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I actually love stalking people's wedding pictures on Facebook. And like, wait a second, this could be a career. So I emailed out to a bunch of local wedding photographers. um, And he was one of two who emailed me back. The other person emailed something like, yeah, good luck with that. And Mike responded, answered my questions, was just very, very generous. I don't even remember how I found him. I think I just Googled Northern Virginia wedding photographers. And um, after several emails back and forth, Mike had suggested, I was like, well, how do I get started with weddings? Like, Because my first question was, do I need to change my degree? My degree is in PR. Do I need to change it to fine art? And he was like, "Uh, no, I have a degree in fire science. You do not need a fine art degree in order to be a wedding photographer. So then my next question was, well, how do you get started? And he was like, oh, you just ask somebody if you can come along to a wedding. And I was like, cool. So like could I come along to a wedding? He was like, oh yeah, sure. I have one on December 19th. Do you want to come? It was, it was, I was so excited. I remember bursting into our college ministry that evening for our our weekly meeting. and was like, I'm going to a wedding. And people are like, this seems like a big deal that we should be excited for you about, but we don't really understand why it's such a big deal. So, um, he was very generous, allowed me to come to that wedding with him. And I arrived early. It was also like the day of snowpocalypse, 2009 um and there was like two and a half feet of snow it was crazy so I got to the wedding early um and as we were walking up to the bridal suite I was just asking Mike a few more questions and I'll never forget this conversation um I he was telling me about his second shooter that was there for the day and I was like aren't you I don't know like worried that she'll steal your clients or something and he was like no her style is totally different than mine her work is very artistic and Mike's work is more traditional Uh, and he said the the people who would want to book me wouldn't book her and her clients would never book me and I was like oh okay and just like that Mike and that like I'm sure it was a throwaway conversation he probably doesn't even remember it but just like that Mike taught me that I didn't need to be afraid of other wedding photographers, which was a really big deal because the scarcity mindset is one that came and still sometimes comes very easily to me. I have talked about this before in past episodes, but growing up with my parents in seminary, money was really tight. Um, And so when my mom found something special on sale at the grocery store, like Lucky Charms, instead of the usual generic bagged cereal that we typically had, 
Once that box of Lucky Charms was gone, it was gone. We weren't going to go out and get more of it. So more for my brothers. I'm one of three. I have an older brother and a younger brother, both who had voracious appetites. And so more for them truly did mean less for me. And as specific as that example is, that belief that when someone else got more, it meant that I got less, that followed me for years. And I literally thank the Lord that Mike answered that question the way that he did, um, because if he'd answered that with any kind of bitterness or scarcity or closed offness, I would be a completely different photographer than I am today. I entered the room ready to compete only to be told that I can take off the boxing gloves because there is no fight to be had. The photography industry is one where many, many people can win at the same time. Here's the reality of the situation. I'm a brand photographer and I serve small business owners. And according to the Small Business Administration, there are 31.7 million small businesses in the United States. And the pandemic brought a slew of new players to the table. According to an Oberlo article, in 2019, there were 3.52 million applications to create a new small business. In 2020, that number went up to 4.38 million. And then in 2021, it went up to 5.4 million. So that number of small businesses in the United States is only getting bigger. There is no physical way that I can serve 31.7 million businesses with brand photography. I just can't. And the beautiful reality of that is that there is more than enough to go around. Look at all of those businesses on Instagram and TikTok with bio photos that they took on their phone. They could probably use a brand photographer. Look at all the websites with selfies on the about page. Not even a real headshot, just a selfie. They too could probably use a brand photographer. Shoot, Matt just bought a bundle last week, a bundle of courses, and some of the bio photos on that sales page were crappy selfies with bad filters over top of them. There are so many entrepreneurs who could use what I do, and I simply do not have the bandwidth to serve all of them. So I will repeat myself. There is more than enough to go around, my friend. Real quick, photographers, are you tired of lather, rinse, and repeating the same tired collection of forgettable photos from one brand session to the next? If you're ready to turn yawn-worthy galleries into the sort of results that thrill your clients and get you both noticed, then you're definitely gonna wanna join me for my free training, The Backstage Secret to Scroll-Stopping Brand Photography. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or you're just getting started out in the world of branding, this session is for you. I'll teach you my number one strategy for crafting stories that resonate with your clients and their audience, which is the biggest secret behind creating galleries that not only look stunning, but also drive engagement and sales for your clients, which, spoiler alert, is what keeps them coming back for additional sessions in the future. Because as brand photographers, purposeful matters more than pretty, but who says you can't have both? Our job is to think like a marketer and shoot like an artist, but you have to have both pieces of that equation. And learning to approach with the mindset of a strategist, that changes everything. So if you're raring to say goodbye to cliche galleries that simply repeat what's already clogging your Pinterest and social media, and hello to a method that drives brand loyalty and real bottom line growth, then head on over to abbygrace.co slash training. That's abbygrace.co slash training. It's time to leave those forgettable, smiling at a laptop photos in the dust in favor of a more tailored approach that's gonna leave your clients obsessed and already planning for their next shoot with you. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash training. I'll see you in class. 
The scarcity mindset teaches you to view others as you versus them or that there's never enough to go around, which means that you push away others who might be able to be your biggest source of growth, whether as cheerleaders, comrades, colleagues, and yes, competitors, but also your community. Natalie Frank, she is a dear friend of mine, also my very first branding client and a repeat branding client. She began a movement around this very idea. Have you guys heard that that sentiment or seen the hashtag community over competition? Yeah, she invented that. She's the one who started that. It began with a blog post several years ago, and it turned into Natalie co-founding the Rising Tide Society, and then eventually writing a well-researched book that was titled Built to Belong. We were never meant to exist in isolation. That's the whole premise of Natalie's book. It's it's amazing. We'll link it in the show notes. You should definitely grab a copy. But community and needing others is built into our DNA. I have learned this as a small business owner, and I have learned it again and again and again as a mom. We need each other, especially as small business owners who often work alone. This can be a really lonely job. You know that. I know that. But when you exist with a scarcity mindset of more for him or her means less for me, you will put up walls to keep others out because you're afraid that they're going to take something, take your piece of the pie or take a portion of your piece of the pie. But what if I told you that you each have your own pie and that there is always more where that came from? There are infinite numbers of pies. You can have as much pie as you want without stealing from anybody else. Your competitor down the street, what if I told you that a win for her can also be a win for you? That when she increases her rates, it doesn't always mean that she's more in demand or more successful than you. It might just mean that the market has simply said, we think this service is worth more and we're willing to pay more than what you're currently charging. And that's good news for everybody, inflation aside, because it can raise the bar across the industry. That isn't to say that competition doesn't exist. I mean, hello, you're talking to one of the most competitive people on the planet. But competition doesn't have to drive you to a scarcity mindset. It doesn't have to alienate you from other artists because you're afraid that more for them means less for you. More for them can also mean more for you. And furthermore, let's talk about the fact that there is no one way to win. As photographers and as artists, we work in an inherently subjective field. There is no finish line. There is no award that says, okay, congratulations, now you've made it. There is no top prize that we are all competing for. And this is why it is so incredibly important for you, no matter how early or far you are into your business, It's why you need to have a clear vision of what winning actually looks like for you, not what winning looks like on Instagram or what your competition's version of winning looks like. No, I want to know what does winning look like for you in your business, your work, and your life for you to be able to look back on those and to say, well done you. When I was a wedding photographer, I thought that winning meant shooting ultra luxury weddings and jetting off to faraway places for events with big name planners. I thought that winning would be reaching a certain price point for my collections and being featured in the print version of Martha Stewart weddings because that's what everyone else was telling me that it took to reach the top, to be the best, to win the prize that doesn't actually exist. But after a few years of raising my pricing higher and higher and working with some of DC's best planners, I realized I didn't actually want to be at the top because the toll that it was going to take on my life outside of work was one that I wasn't willing to pay. 
With the increase in investment in a wedding, in any given vendor, I could see through watching my friends in the industry that their clients expected more and more access to their vendors. So the more that was invested in the wedding, the higher the level of access a client would expect to have to their vendors, which is understandable to a point, right? But with the level of access that I was seeing some of my friends were expected to maintain, that didn't jive with the strong pull that I felt to be 100% present with my family and disconnected from my work in my hours outside the office. I didn't want to work 16 to 18 hour wedding days. Those are hard on your body. But those stunning multiple day celebrations that I was seeing in places like the Loire Valley and the Tuscan countryside, those are really long days. And the travel to get there is arduous, not to mention all of the gear that you're bringing with you. And then there's the increasing pressure to turn photos around immediately after an event on shorter and shorter timelines. And none of that fit with my personal desire for balance and with my desire to shut off from work after a really long day. Let me be clear, those working conditions do work for some people. Some people love that pressure. They love the thrill of a long day of travel and 18-hour wedding days. And I'm not saying that they're inherently wrong, that there's anything wrong with that kind of work environment. But because I was clear on what sort of life I wanted for myself and the kind of specifically freedom and margin that I was looking for, I, I want a business that supports a life that I love. I do not want, I do not live to work. I love my work, but I don't live to work. Um, and so because of the kind of freedom and margin that I was looking for, I began to see that this ultra luxury wedding photographer lifestyle was something I wasn't interested in pursuing anymore. Natalie said it so perfectly in Built to Belong. She says it right there in chapter one. She writes, in our pursuit of being the best, we lose sight of being our best. I had spent so much time and effort trying to reach the top, trying to be the best, only to realize that it wasn't my best. You can give season one, episode four, why I quit the wedding industry. You can give that a listen for more detail on how and when I left the wedding industry. And this was this was a big part of the why, realizing that all of my strivings were pushing me toward a goal that I didn't actually want to achieve. When you walk around with a worldview that there's never enough to go around, it can push you to reach for goals that you don't actually want, to strive to win a game that doesn't have one single winner. Furthermore, the scarcity mindset can push you into isolation. When you believe that it is you versus me, you are less likely to reach out for help for fear of somebody taking advantage of a vulnerability that you have or accidentally spilling a secret. If you're a solopreneur or a small business owner, you already know that there is an enormous potential for loneliness in our industry. And didn't COVID teach us just how much is at risk when we sit in extended periods of isolation? There was an article actually in the Wall Street Journal this morning about how middle and high schools around the country are seeing higher level of kids acting out than they did pre-pandemic and how counselors are being brought in to address the anxiety and the underlying trauma behind that disruptive behavior. It, the article detailed how there are some schools who are rewriting their entire system of discipline in order to address the issue. Anxiety, depression, increase in weight, decrease in physical activity, all of these are things that the world saw unfolding maybe in your own home or your friends and family's homes during those extended periods of isolation from our peers during the pandemic. Again, in the book Built to Belong, Natalie cites copious research that studies the negative effect that isolation can have not just on individual health but on also on community function. So if we accept that a scarcity mindset can lead to harm, 
How then do we turn our faces away from the idea that there's never enough and towards the mindset and practice of abundance? And I want to be really clear here. I don't mean prosperity gospel, like, oh, if I speak it into the universe, the universe will reward me kind of thing, because I don't hold with that. No, I mean changing your internal and external life view towards more for her can also mean more for me, and learning to trust that there is more than enough to go around. It has at times felt like a physical task, like I have to struggle against myself to turn my shoulders 180 degrees in the other direction because the scarcity mindset is easy to fall into, but it's also not a very pleasant place to exist. I don't like feeling like I constantly have to look over my shoulder to protect what's mine. I don't like feeling like I need to guard what I say around other photographers or be stingy in what I share because someone else could use it to their own advantage. That sounds a whole lot to me like living in fear and I think we can all agree that that is not a pleasant place to be either. Because a scarcity mindset is based on fear. Fear that there won't be enough to go around. Fear that you won't get what you're entitled to or that somebody else might unfairly benefit from your hard work. It is almost immediately apparent to me when I'm speaking with someone who lives in that place. They are quick to complain. They're quick to point out where they've been jilted, where someone else has gotten more than they thought they deserved. They're quick to condescend their competitors or worse, their own clients. When I'm living with a scarcity mindset, I'm just going to come right out and say it. I am not a nice person to be around. Learning to turn around to face into the warmth of the idea that there is enough to go around has turned me into a kinder, more compassionate, more generous person because I'm no longer looking over my shoulder, worried that at any moment one of my competitors might pass me by. And that isn't because I'm at the top of my field, it's because I've learned that the energy spent worrying about not having enough directly inhibits my ability to think creatively, which is part of what makes me so uniquely qualified. And honestly, it's just a happier, more enjoyable place to live. Being able to chat with other photographers and encourage them in their gifts and give suggestions on ways to help make their life and their business easier. I love doing that. Obviously, I have a podcast about this. I would be missing out on so many incredible conversations if I kept my mouth shut for fear of saying something that might give away a secret to my success. And also, can we talk about the idea that a decision doesn't always come down to either or? Sometimes a consumer chooses both and. I've learned this over and over again as a course creator. I don't need to be afraid of other people coming out with brand photography resources because so many of our students aren't just purchasing one course from one person. Like, so what if a student's already enrolled in so-and-so's course? I didn't buy just one book on the topic of productivity. I've purchased several books from several different authors. Our students often want to learn from several different sources, so I'm not afraid of any other educators in my industry because it's not me versus them. We often share students who purchase products from both of us. Choosing a mindset of abundance is, as science writer Winifred Gallagher pens, she calls it a skillful management of attention. I encounter Gallagher's story in my favorite book, Deep Work. You guys have heard me talk about that a lot. Um, and Gallagher was diagnosed with a particularly aggressive form of cancer. And when she found out, she decided to focus on the aspects of her life that brought her joy instead of solely focusing on the drudgery of chemo and radiation. Specifically, as she was quoted in uh, Deep Work, she said, this included movies, walks, and a 6.30 martini. So instead of constantly thinking about chemo, she was thinking about movies, walks, and a 6.30 martini. 
Her experience led to researching the skillful management of attention, what we choose to focus on. She actually wrote a book about it called RAPT, R-A-P-T, and how that skillful management of attention affects our worldview in general. Deep Work author Cal Newport, he wrote, this is where I first encountered Gallagher's story, he wrote that, quote, we tend to place a lot of emphasis on our circumstances, assuming that what happens to us or fails to happen determines how we feel. According to Gallagher, decades of research contradict this understanding. Our brains instead construct our worldview based on what we pay attention to. If you focus on a cancer diagnosis, you and your life become unhappy and dark. But if you focus on an evening martini, you and your life become more pleasant, even though the circumstances in both scenarios are the same. End quote. This doesn't mean ignoring real problems or slapping on a smile when you're going through something hard. And I'm just going to put this out there. Christians, sometimes we are really bad at this. Like, how are you? Everything's fine. I'm so good. But like inside you're dying. (laughs) That is not what this is about. The abundance mindset isn't pretending that everything's fine. It doesn't mean that pretending limited resources aren't a thing. Sometimes it really is an either or situation. Like when a dream client is trying to decide whether to hire you or the photographer down the road, chances are they're only going to hire one of you. But again, 31.7 million small businesses in the United States, there is more than enough to go around. But abundance means practicing gratitude, even in the midst of loss or hardship. That has been an invaluable lesson for me over the years of dealing with infertility. In the moments when I'm frustrated with my kids, we have two kids now, When I have real complaints about their behavior or how unreasonable they're being because we do have a toddler, I can still look at them in the midst of my frustration. I can look at them in awe and acknowledge how grateful I am that they are here. And that doesn't negate the exhaustion of multiple middle-of-the-night wake-ups or a tantrum in the middle of Target, but it does mean that I can approach my kids with a deeper well of compassion and grace than I could have if I only ever focused on the negative of the situation in front of me. The abundance mindset means acknowledging, especially in the midst of something really difficult, that you can feel both challenged and creative at the same time, that you can embrace both competition and community, that you can be frustrated and grateful. You don't have to pretend like everything's fine when it's not, but you also need to recognize your ability to do something constructive about it instead of wallowing in angst and feelings of being jilted. One of my favorite hymns is called It Is Well, and it makes me weep every time I hear it because the story behind the hymn is so heavy. If you've never heard the story, the author Horatio Spafford lost his four daughters in a shipwreck over the Atlantic Ocean. His wife was on a boat with his four daughters. The ship went down. His wife alone survived. And he got on a boat immediately afterwards to go join his wife. Um... And the ship captain alerted Spafford as they were passing over the stretch of sea where the ship went down and his daughters were lost. During that journey, Spafford penned these words, which became an enduring hymn. And the first verse is, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. My faith and my hope and my confidence is in Jesus. That is where my help comes from. And you may not hold the same beliefs that I do, but even with my hope anchored in Christ, it still took and still takes at times a conscious effort to direct my eyes to hope and abundance instead of fear and scarcity. I desire at any time, day or night, in tragedy or triumph, to be able to genuinely sing the words of Horatio Spafford that it is well, it is well with my soul.
So here's your homework. I've got a few questions you can ask yourself when you feel the scarcity mindset starting to creep in. We created a quick download of these questions for you. If you want a copy of them, just head over to abbygrace.co slash abundance to snag them. But here are those seven questions. One, what is going well for you right now? It doesn't matter how bad things are. Surely there has got to be one thing that you can name that is going at least somewhat well. I want you to challenge yourself to name it. It doesn't have to be big. It can be small. It can be, I found my favorite organic chocolate milk at Whole Foods today. They're normally sold out. That went well for me. Two, what are you learning about yourself? What is a tough situation showing you about you? Maybe a lesson that you could use to grow more toward the person that you aim to be. Because I believe that challenging situations, whether born from grief or loss or heartache of any kind, that those can send us in one of two directions. They can either make us softer or they can calcify us. And personally, I want to grow in the direction of softness. And I'm talking about our souls, our hearts here. I want to have a softened heart, a more compassionate heart, that because of the difficulties that I've walked through, I choose to believe that I am now more equipped to help others who come along that same path because I went before them, as opposed to letting a difficult situation harden me to the needs of others, that I become more closed off and less compassionate. Question three, what else could be true here? So I will admit that when someone cuts me off in traffic, my knee-jerk reaction isn't like, you go right ahead there. In the past, it's been more of like, oh, you must just be an awful human being. But, and honestly, the adoption process was really what drilled this into me. I've learned to ask, like, what else could be true here? Maybe they cut me off because they just got fired from their job and they're stressed out. Or maybe they got a call that their son is in the hospital and they don't know what's going to happen and they're racing to get there and they don't have the luxury of a siren on top of their car. Or maybe they really are just an awful human being, but the fact of the matter is, is I don't know and I will never know. So being able to ask myself, what else could be true here enables me to stay away from that sort of like knee-jerk reaction of anger and frustration to one more of compassion and kindness. Four, what good can we take away from the situation, even if I prefer that the outcome had been different? You want to call it a silver lining or lessons learned, whatever you need to call it. What if some, like you have a bad launch or you have a bad year, what could you take away from the situation? For example, there was a really big number in our business for 2022 that we did not hit. And I was really frustrated until about November when I realized, oh my gosh, I think we needed this year to be slow. We added a new baby to our family. Like we couldn't have handled the amount of demand that I was hoping would come with that higher number. Um, And so actually, This was a gift for me to be able to see like those slower years aren't necessarily a consequence of having done something wrong. Sometimes those slower years are there because you didn't know you needed it. Five, what's one thing that I can be grateful for right now? I am currently training for half marathon. I've run on and off for the last like 15 years, I'd say. And sometimes you're on a run and it feels like a slog. I don't really love running. I will be honest with you. I like the lifestyle that running affords me. Like I like being healthy, but I don't necessarily like getting healthy. So when I'm on one of those runs that feels like a slog, I start to count like what is something that I can be grateful for? Instead of shouting out like, this is awful, which is what I want to do, I start to recount all the things that I have to be grateful for. That I have breath in my lungs. That I have legs that can carry me for miles. That I have a heart that beats consistently. Number six, what is something good that I can pray for for someone that I consider to be a competitor? 
Because asking for something good to happen to someone that you view as being an opponent, that can help engender kinder thoughts towards them, which then helps alleviate those feelings of being threatened by their success. And seven, where is the possibility in this situation? What opportunity might I be overlooking? What opportunity might my competitors be overlooking? Okay, so maybe a client canceled their shoot and you're stressed out about the loss of their remaining balance. You're not going to get that anymore. It's just money gone. Well, maybe you've also been thinking about trying out mini sessions, but you've never had the time to do it. Well, now all of a sudden you have time on your hands that you weren't expecting. Maybe now's the time to try. Like I said, you guys can snag those questions with a free download at abbygrace.co slash abundance. One more time, that's abbygrace.co slash abundance. Coming up in the next episode, we'll be talking about lighting. Totally different topic than today. This was a topic I was incredibly intimidated by early in my career because trying to figure out what the heck a pocket wizard was in a Facebook forum full of other very professional photographers without getting chastised was a real joy. So in episode 11, we will be talking about the lighting essentials every photographer needs and the lesson every photographer needs to learn in order to advance their skills and increase their rates. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, remember to hit subscribe so you don't miss an episode and head over to abbygrace.co slash podcast for even more resources to help you blow your clients away at your very next brand shoot. I'm Abby Grace and I'll see you next time. Now, let's go get after it, shall we?